Welcome, church. Thank you, worship team. There's a bit of sickness going around Canberra and it's touching our worship team, among others. Uh, it's, it's there. It's winter. It's that, that time of the year. But, um, you know, we, we're getting through. Yeah? Yes. And, uh, you know, I thank God for people who uh, have gotten through this week despite uh, uh, issues and challenges that they've faced. We're still here. This month we've been focusing on the theme, The Invested Life. The Invested Life. Uh, and I want you to turn to yourself <laughs> and ask today, how are you investing your life? I'm not interested in what your neighbor's doing. I'm not interested in uh, what uh, other people have done or are not doing, but, but how are you investing your life? The Invested Life. Um, some of you will remember, and I was listening to a bit of a recap this week about, do who remembers the Great Resignation? During COVID, uh, people in countries around the West uh, said, you know, with lockdown and everything else that was going on, they quit their jobs, they quit what they were doing, they quit the things that they were familiar with and, 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 and resigned. It was called the Great Resignation. Now, many people who did that are now experiencing the Great Regret <laughs> because they jumped too quickly. Um, but we're talking about an invested life. And, and there's a sense in which that, that word uh, 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 brings um, a bit of a challenge because commitment always comes with a cost. Yeah. And some people don't like the word commitment because it sounds, it sounds costly. It sounds like you're talking about me. And, and when we hear, hear that word, we, we, we duck. We want to resign. We want to join those who are, uh, you know, exit left stage. Uh, and and, and, and uh, you know, get away from all the problems and the issues. Um, but, but, you know, today's a day of an invested life. There was an old missionary man called C.T. Studd, and he said this, and you may have heard it. He said, there's only one life, will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. So when we talk about who we are and where we're headed and how we're going to invest our lives, where, where do we start? What's really important to you? You know, uh, and I, I thank God that there are some people who understand investments. I am clueless when it comes to finances and money and interest rates and stocks and shares and all those kinds of things. Uh, I'm totally clueless. Um, but there are people around who will tell you how to invest your time and your treasure uh, and your talents. Uh, and, and I appreciate, you know, the, the contribution that they make to my life to keep me out of trouble. Um, but there's another sense today in which uh, I'm here to tell you that there's another kind of investment, and that is how you and I invest our lives as Christians in this life and for eternity. Uh, I was up in Sydney this week. Uh, one of my relatives passed away, uh, and uh, we sat around for a very long four-hour funeral and, and, and spent the whole day uh, just celebrating her life and what she did. Um, and, and, and I was commenting to one of my cousins, you know, the old saying, well, look at what she did. No one ever got to the end of their life wishing they'd spent more time in the office. Um, you know, but, but she had an amazing life doing what really counts. So why is it important? Pastor John's been talking about, uh, you know, the hip pocket, uh, how we're investing uh, our treasure. I want to expand that just a little bit today. Why is it important? Well, first of all, because we have a lot. We enjoy a lot. We are incredibly blessed, uh, we're, but there's a sense in which we're also accountable for what God gives us, but we're incredibly blessed. I love living in this country. I love living in Australia. We have amazing prosperity. 
um, but it's often unequal. We live longer than we ever have in human history, um, but we, we don't always find, uh, we always find something to complain about. We're, we're the best educated generation in history, but we're not necessarily wiser. Um, we have good incomes, um, but it tends to slip through our fingers like sand or, or fall out of our, go out of the holes in, in our pockets if you still have holes in your pockets. Um, we're a richly endowed nation, but we take a lot for granted. And because we take a lot for granted, we feel that we're not accountable. And, and, and we, we strive for the good life. And we aim for the good life. And we're told that we ought to enjoy the good life. Our leaders tell us that we should be aiming for the good life. Uh, but that good life can sometimes be cut short. Uh, I was thinking recently, since the, middle, the beginning of the year, seven of my friends and relatives have passed away. Uh, and, and that is sobering. That is sobering. When we think about the good life, but we need to think about how we invest those lives, how we invest the opportunities that we have here. I was reflecting this week on the life of, uh, of King Solomon because it's been in my, in my one-year Bible. Remember, if you haven't got a plan, get your one-year Bible and read it every day. You might pick today's date and read it. There's, there's, no, there's no science in it. Couldn't help it. But in my one-year Bible, I'm, I'm looking at Solomon Who's, who asked the same question, how am I going to invest my life? He's taken over from his father and he's king of Israel. How am I going to invest my life? And what he learned when he, when he asked that question was the futility of investing in power and in position and in the acquisition of fabulous wealth and possessions and great learning and reputation for its own sake. And Jesus reminded us in, in Luke chapter 12 about a man uh, who was a farmer and, and, and he, he had a bumper harvest. I'm sure that, uh, that, that our agricultural econ economists would have loved that. You know, right across uh, uh, the, the countryside, there was an enormous harvest and he filled these barns and, and they were full and there's still more coming in. He said, what am I going to do? I'm going to build bigger barns. And he laid down and, and, and he was going to sleep at night and he was saying, oh, oh I, I, I am fabulously wealthy. And God says, you're a fool. You're filled because tonight you're going to die. And, and your life doesn't belong to you. Your treasures don't belong to you. Something, somebody else is going to cash in on your life uh, and reap the profits and take it to the bank and you won't be able to do a thing about it. How are you investing your life? Don't get to the end of your life uh, clinging and regretting what you didn't do. So as Christians, when we address this question of the invested life, We've been talking a bit about our finances. Thank you, Pastor John. We've been talking about that, but there's, there's a sense in which as Christians we have, we have two big alternatives to the, uh, to the view that the world gives us. One is, is the perspective on how we invest our lives now for others. Yeah. Who's had the, heard that expression, blessed to be a blessing? Yeah. What does it actually mean, blessed to be a blessing? Uh, during COVID, when many of us were in lockdown, when all of us, uh, unless you were breaking the law, when all of us were in lockdown, <laughs> we, we would often tune in to that amazing song, The Blessing, taken from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24, 25. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord uh, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And, and all around the world, people are singing that song. God is blessing us. Despite everything that's happening, God is blessing us. 
And it, what an awesome song. And we all embraced it because amid the doom and gloom, we knew that there was a purpose in God. And for years, Matt Redman and others have been, have been reminding us that we have 10,000 reasons to be thankful to God. 10,000 reasons to be enormously grateful for all that God has given us. We are blessed. And yet there's a sense in which the blessing of God that comes to us as individuals, as, as, as families, as a church, as a nation, and not just so we can sit in the corner and think that we are the center of the universe, which so often happens. You know, there was a time, I'm sure you're familiar, James and John came to Jesus and Jesus, they said, Jesus, Jesus, we want, we want to share your, your thrones with you. And, and they said that, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, that has to qualify as one of the most blatantly self-centered prayers ever. <laughs> Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Uh, it, it creates hubris. It creates a, a false sense of, of importance. It's like joining an unholy scramble for honour and prestige. And it's so common. We see it all the time. But Jesus said, be, be, be careful what you th ask for. Be careful what you demand. Because if you want what I've got, it involves a cross. And I bet that made them rethink. Uh, there's no reference that they came back and said, yes, yes, we'll do that. You know, they said, Jesus, we'll go over. And he said, okay, well, you know, yeah, join, join the club you're going to. Um, but, but the blessing of God that comes to us isn't for our self-indulgence because we deserve it. Because we're beautiful people. The blessing of God doesn't come to us because we're amazing men and women, but because God loves the world and God has invested in the world and invested in you personally when his son came and invested himself on the cross for you and for me and died and gave up everything for you and for me as we've been singing this morning to accomplish the plan and purpose of God for the world. We are blessed. We are incredibly blessed, but to be a blessing. Psalm chapter 67 explains what the, the, um, the song, the blessing is really all about. The Lord bless you and keep you isn't about God, give me a comfortable pillow. God, give me a lovely house. Listen to what it says. Psalm 67, it repeats or it continues this theme. It's exactly this theme. It says, may God be merciful and bless us. May his face, his face smile with favor upon us. And we all want that. We all want that. I'm, I, I, somebody once taught me the Scotsman's prayer. God bless us. God bless me and my house. Jock and his wife, the four of us, no more of us. <laughs> it's not about that. What, what does it mean? You know, because that's, that misses the point. If the blessing of God that comes to your life is all about you, then you're missing the point. Because Psalm 67 goes on to say, he says, God be merciful to us. God bless us. God make your face shine with favor upon us. May your ways be known throughout the earth. Your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing with joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvests and God, our God, will richly bless us. So why does God bless us? So that he'll bless the nations through us. And he'll bless the community through us. The reason... Uh, that, that we, that some of us open a home uh, for connect groups is so that we can be a, bit, a blessing to others. Yeah. 
The reason that we have a care hub is that we can be a blessing to our community. The reason that we support missionaries, and thank you all those who gave sacrificially to our missions offering last week. The reason we support missionaries so that people you and I will never meet who live on the other side of the world will, through the blessing that we extend to them out of the love of Christ, will bring Christ into their lives so that others will be blessed. And, And verse 7 caps it all. You know, the Lord bless you and keep you. I love it. I want it. I crave it. And so what's it about? He says, yes, God will bless us and people all over the world will fear him. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. It's not just about what you accrue. It's not just about your benefits. It's not just about your prosperity. It's not just about your bank account. God blesses you so that you can share it with the world around you. That's what it's all about. That's what the invested life is all about. The reason that we invest our time, the reason that we come on Sundays, the reason that we give of our finances is because the blessing is really about world mission. And it's about reaching our neighbours and our community and our families and the nations with the gospel. The blessing is about investing in making disciples. It's at the heart of the Great Commission. It's the vision of an effective local church. It's the secret of a healthy, joyful, secure and significant Christian life. And God invests in us so that we will invest in others. Do you believe that? Who believes that? You know, we have... Uh, you know, incredible opportunities to do things and be things, um, but but life is still short. And our prayer should be, God, God bless me, so that uh, I can at the same time count my days, count the limits of my life, use my time and my opportunities wisely f- uh, for Your honor and Your glory, so that the name of Jesus and the gospel will be proclaimed in the in, in the company and the environment and the world in which I live. So that's a Christian alternative to the grasping uh, that we so often are accustomed to and, and that we grow up with. The second alternative. So, so the first alternative, you know, blessed to be a blessing to others now. The other alternative that we, we often lose sight of and we, we, we should spend a bit of time thinking about is investing allies for the long term, for eternity. If investing for eternity. Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 says this. Set your mind or your opinions or your understanding on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We need to invest for the long term. We need to invest for eternity. We need to think about eternity. It needs to be, I mean, it's there. It's, it's in front of all of us. You know, one, one day we stop and we enter eternity. Like those seven friends and relatives of mine. You know, so, suddenly now they're in eternity. You know, and, and they can't continue to invest. You know, Jesus said, you know, you work and, 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 and aim to have treasures in heaven. And we need to stop and think about that from time to time. So whether you're just starting out in life or you're at school or at university or in a new job or retired or somewhere in between all of those, the ultimate calling, the ultimate calling for each one of us is to invest our hope and our life in eternity. That's why the scripture says in several places, have treasures in heaven. Have treasures in heaven. Where greed and selfishness won't corrupt it. Where inflation and online scams and someone ringing you 
You know, we know what that's all about. You know, offering you the best deal, uh, you know, and, and, and we're, we're, we're that, we're that can't touch those investments. Where taxation can't touch that investment. The Bible says that our reward is in heaven. Yeah. Our reward is in heaven. I love living this life, but I'm also thinking about the fact that we, we have an eternity stretching before us. Our long-term reward is in him. And we have to live with the future in mind. And the New Testament is full of that promise. The New Testament is full of that vision. I was reading just this week, Matthew. Matthew likens Christ to a bridegroom coming to receive his bride. That's you and me. John quotes Jesus saying, I go to prepare a place for you and I'll come again and receive you to myself. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells of, um, of, of Jesus coming in power to awaken and to raise the dead. In 2 Corinthians, he describes the new dwelling we will have when this earthly house is dissolved. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells us to wait for God's Son from heaven. In 2 Thessalonians, he tells a glorious picture of our Lord coming with 10,000s of his saints, as does Jude. John makes the same promise to all believers. He says, we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. We've got to invest in eternity and think in eternity. You can still be practical. And think about eternal things. But we can't just lock ourselves away in thinking about what I'm reading on, online and today's news and today's issues. There's an eternity stretching away in front of each one of us. The climax of the book of Revelation is the second coming of Christ and the amazing future of those who have invested their lives and the hope for the future in Him. God gives us the, an, an amazing investment that we have in Him. Who believes that? This is the great message of the Christian church. This is the great promise of the scriptures. This is the great uh, revelation that Christ gives us. Uh, and and, and when, when, when the minds of many around us are filled with pessimism and with gloom. I want to invest now. I want to be a, I want to be a blessing because I've been blessed to be a blessing. And, and I want to invest in, in the future. I want to invest in eternity. Live with eternity in mind. Live with, with you know... With, when we'd been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. You remember the verse, the, the song? Uh, and we need to keep that in mind and not just think in, in purely uh, 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 secular terms for, right, just, just for the moment. Our investments, our investments for the future don't depend on the Reserve Bank. Our investment for eternity doesn't depend uh, on, the, on the ASX or inflation rates. Uh, or, or, or interest rates, because all of these can go up in a puff of smoke. They can all go up in a puff of smoke. I remember somebody gave me a 100 trillion Zimbabwe dollar note, and I thought I'm rich. And two days later, the currency was cancelled. And I thought, I've just lost 100 trillion dollars. And it was cancelled by, by an edict of the government. It can all go up in a puff of smoke. It was worthless. If I'd invested in that, it would have been worthless. I, I could have accumulated thousands of trillions of dollars and, and, and gone out and you know, put, put on a brand new suit and tie and gone and, and said, you know, I, I'm, I'm more fabulously wealthy than ever before and it went up in a puff of smoke. Our hope is, is, is in none of these things. Our hope is the eternal hope that we have in Christ. It's only the hope that we have in Christ. That's the safest investment around. That's a safe investment. That's a sure investment. You believe that? Oh, I do. I do. And, and when I was sitting in the funeral the other day, you know, thinking about my aunt and all that she did in the community, in the Christian community, in the school, and I thought, oh, the amazing life. But, but, but it's gone. It's finished. It's yesterday. 
It's only what's done for Christ will last. It's only what's banked in heaven will last. It's only what's invested in eternity will last. So let me ask you, as I ask myself often, you know, where are you investing your life? Where are you investing your hopes? Where are you investing your efforts and your ambitions and, and your dreams? Where, where is your investment? Do you lie in bed at night like the farmer saying, I'm, I'm fabulously wealthy beyond measure and, and, and not be cognizant that eternity is just one breath away? What are you investing in? Jesus Christ showed us how to live the invested life. He said, if you follow me, it'll cost you everything. If you follow me, I, I, I'm, I'm calling on you to lay down your lives and follow me. And don't count anything more, more important or more precious or more valuable than following me. But if you follow me, then I want you to follow me 100%. Not, not, none of this Sunday only None of this when I've got a need only. None of this when I need a miracle only. Jesus said, if you follow me, I want you to follow me with all your heart. And love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And all that you are and all that you hope to do and be. That's what we're called to invest as Christians. Don't make the mistake of wasting your life on bad investments. Spending years chasing trivialities and junk schemes. You know, there are lots of junk schemes out there. There are lots of bad decisions and bad options that are out there. You know, and you, you may be blessed financially. And like I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that we're blessed financially. But that can't be my future. It can't be my hope. It can't be my dream. In Psalm 62 verse 10, it says, If your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. Where are you investing your life? Where are you investing your, your life, your thinking, your planning? What's important to you? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, some of you will have read his story, an amazing German pastor, uh, uh, was, was uh, imprisoned during the Second World War and died just, uh, just before the liberation of the camp in which he was living in Flossenburg, wrote, wrote a number of books about, about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And he said, and some of you may have heard, he said, when Jesus Christ calls a man, he calls him to come and die. I'll say that again. When Jesus calls you, he calls you to come and die. Now, isn't that ironic? How, how can we be talking about living the good life and living for him if he calls us to come and die? That, that, that's the irony of the Christian life. That it's only by yielding to him that we find life. It's only by surrendering to him that we find freedom. And, and it's only by giving our hearts and our future and our hopes to him that we find fulfillment. Everyone wants fulfillment. Everyone wants the good life. But, but, but you won't have it if, if you just build it on the foundation of your hopes and your aspirations without God. We need God. We need Christ in our lives. And we need the resurrection power. He invested everything on the cross and he was buried and rose again and said, I can give you the same resurrection power. If you'll come with me to the cross, you may die to some things, but I'll give you the power of a resurrected life to live for me. So that the investment that you, that you place in me uh, will continue to, to last and continue to impact lives. It's not about things. When I see things that I really like break. When I see heirlooms break or take them to Vinnie's and, and, and say, well, you know, this was important to me. I'm giving it away. Colossians 
says this, everything you have will perish with the using. And if you put all your effort and all your hopes and all your dreams and aspirations in things, they will perish. They're not eternal. There's nothing, there's nothing in them. They'll go up in smoke. That's not what it's all about. But I want to challenge you today. In your prayer life, in your Christian life, in your discipleship journey, in your Bible reading, in your church attendance, in your relationships with other Christians, in your participation in home group, whatever you do, everything that you do, think of it as an investment in others now and as an investment in eternity. Find the reason that God's placed you on this earth and do it. And be everything that He's called you to be. But be the man or woman who He's called you to be because your life is hidden with Christ on the cross and in the resurrected life. That's the, the, the best investment advice I can give you today. And I'm calling each and every one of you, each and every one of us, to rethink what it is to live the invested life. What does it mean? My life is precious. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. That's such an Australian thing, isn't it? You're not going to tell me what to do. I'll, I'll make up my own mind. You know, I'm a free agent. You know, I'm not even going to... You know, my family's not going to tell, the government's not going to tell me what to do. They can take it and they, you know what, they can do with it. <laughs> and and we, we, want, we, want that, we want that freedom and we want, want to be able to boast in that freedom that we have. But that freedom is nothing. If it's an investment in our opinions or an, an investment in our, in, in our petty schemes and things that, that don't really last. Only What's done for Christ will last. Only what's banked in heaven will last. Only what's done in obedience to His call on, in your life and the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life and, and living in obedience to Him and growing as a Christian and touching the world around you with the love of God, with the love of Jesus, only that will last. Because people, people will disappear. People will die on you. And that's, that's really tragic. But, but, you know, life, life is short. But we are still here for a moment, a moment only, because there are things that God wants us to do. Our future is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And in 50 years, most of us will be up there. Some of us will still be battling on. Some, some much sooner than that. But in all, in all honesty and in all consciousness, I, I really believe that we just need to be saying, oh God, today I, I, I give myself to you. I surrender to you afresh. I, I belong to you. And I want to make that commitment today, a new commitment today to invest in my life, my future, my hope, what I have and who I am in your plan. I want to invite you to invest your life in Christ's mission for your life, for the world, and for eternity. Motivated by Him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, kept by the power of God, and living abundantly for His honour and His glory.